Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy. I'm here today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hello. Hello. And Andrea Smith, our technology guru extraordinaire. Hello. And your cat, I assume, at least one. <laughs> and Max is here. <laughs> um, today on the show, we thought we would tackle a whole bunch of tech questions that we've read, that have come in, that we've seen, um, <laughs> that sometimes people text us anxiously particularly this year when screen time has become school time. And I think also over the holidays, some people may have purchased their children their own devices. Um, I think there are a sizable amount of parents out there who are realizing that remote school is probably going to be this entire school year. Like everyone has just begrudgingly Uh. admitted that in some form, um, whether it's, you know, hybrid or whatever. And they may have purchased their child their own device finally, or just realized how out of control um, the screen time has become because you're adding in the additional Zoom hours of school. So we thought we would tackle a bunch of these questions today and with our like judgmental selves (laughs) (laughs) and, um, but also the experience of kind of having been there, done that, um, failed, tried something else. And, then we will have our bites of the week. That is our show today. So let's jump right in. Andrea, I know you've you've got a little bevy of questions to start us off yeah. with. I've been, you know, I've been seeing a lot of questions online and, and a couple of them really struck me and, and I thought, oh, you know, this would be really, really good to talk about. A lot of them have to do with um, screen time and like who owns the device, right? Like like kids really saying, you have no right to take my devices away. Um, there was one question, um, hey, uh, we've been really relaxed with our electronics since March. I need to get my kids back on track. Okay, first of all, since March, okay, no judgment. I, <laughs> they're not listening. They're not motivated to do anything except electronics. I'm judging uh, Andrea for judging her. <laughs> It has been it has been all hands on deck. Anything you can do to get through. I I can imagine. I can imagine. I can imagine. I'm just saying, you know, if you're off track since March, I mean, yeah, you are off the rails. (laughs) Totally. Um, So what do you do? Right. Uh, This person says their 12 year old argues. She believes it's abusive and harmful for parents to take and go through devices. Where do you start? So this sort of reminds me of my husband and I rarely fight. Like it's so rare. And when we do, it's so not a fight. It's so like bickery or whatever. And my daughter, one of them, they'll always be like, you're fighting. And I'm like, wow, you so don't know what it sounds like for parents to fight. So that's, send her to like, my house when COVID's over. I mean, my husband and I are both like, you should have grown up in our homes. Like, <laughs> you have no idea what that sounds like. So this is what this reminds me of. If a child is telling you that it is abusive and like <laughs> so, you know, like the worst thing a parent could do to a child is take their electronic device away. You know, you kind of have to start there with a... I think a deep breath, (laughs) always start with a deep breath and I step back and sort of not match your child's drama um, in that situation, which is more like saying, you know, do I let you eat an entire chocolate cake if you want one? Like, no, like I have a job as a parent. 
it's not always fun, <laughs> but here's the deal. Like I pay for this device. Um, you know, this device is a privilege and like, that's a hard thing to deal with right now because these kids need devices to do school. So they went from being privileges and extras to being necessities. But my guess is not every device is being used for school either. Like a phone is just a different thing. But I, I would also like to add, though, that phones now have a different function for kids because before maybe they were extra and fun and privileges. But for a lot of kids now, it is their only link to their friends. So I would try to look at it also from that perspective that, you know, taking away a kid's phone when they can go over to the friend's house instead was one thing. Taking away the phone now when that's it, they are now isolated. It's kind of different. So I think that's where the conversation comes in, right? Like if you Ideally, you have a conversation and even a contract that you have with your kid before they get a device, right? And it's like, here's how, just like kids who learn how to drive and start driving for the first time, a lot of parents, you have a, right? You say you're not allowed to drink. You have to call me if your friends have been drinking. You're not allowed to speed. You're not allowed to have 25 kids shoved into your car. You know, some cars come with things where you can detect speeding. Like you would never, I would hope, just give your kids keys to the car and say, you got your license, bye. So a phone, which is their window into the world, um, is the same thing. It's super powerful in their hand. Even though they're ubiquitous, they are incredibly powerful. Um, you know, they have potential for good and bad in a big way. So I think you start with that conversation about what a phone is, why they've earned the phone, um, what happens to take away the phone, <laughs> And then you start with, okay, why do you need the phone, right? Like talk to your kid about what it is. To your point, Amy, if your kid says there's three group texts going on and if everyone's talking and I'm never there, I'm going to miss this, this, and this. And then maybe you back up from there. Okay, so what happens if for one hour you miss the conversation? Like what, what would happen in that conversation that you wouldn't be a part of? Probably nothing, you know, but like take it from your kids feelings about how they're using their phone and what they're afraid they're missing. Now, on the other hand, if your kid is watching three hours of TikTok, that is not, com you know, that's not having conversations with their friends. That's that not aimed at me because it was only two hours today. <laughs> <laughs> but like there's a point where your kid does need to um, decompress, you know, and sometimes they'll start to think that's decompressing, but they're still passively watching this they need to like read they need to relax they need to talk to you they need to talk to other people in the family um they need to maybe they need to help with dinner maybe they need to help make their own lunch like whatever it is you have to give your kids other things that they're not going to be more tempting than the phone but it has you have to like round out their their day so i think i think you're saying that i mean i Amy, I totally get what you're saying. And this is a kid's lifeline, especially a 12-year-old. They're not allowed to see their friends right now, or most most kids aren't. And it is a lifeline for them to, you know, be on social media and text their friends. But I think that if a kid is becoming really abusive to the parents and just not pleasant to be around at 12 years old, 
and only wants to be with their phone, then I think, I mean, I, I don't know that I could, I don't know that I personally could do a digital detox. So I don't know that I would do that to a 12 year old. But I do think similar to what Rebecca is saying is that you, you scale it back, you know, you make ground rules, you take it, you know, maybe an hour less a day, or an hour more of family time a day, or just scale it back little by little. I agree 100%. And I think that the the smartest way to go at it is to make the kid understand why you want to scale it back. Because um, this isn't quite the same thing. But when my son was, you know, 8, 10, 12, all he wanted to do in his free time was play video games. And, um, you know, he was doing things like Taekwondo, like physical activity was not an issue. His free time was his free time. And we were happy to let him play video games until he started to act like a jerk. Like there would become a point every weekend where he had just been on the couch in front of a screen for too long and he would start to get rude and instantly, you know, we take the controller, we kick him outside. And once he came to understand why we were doing that, that it wasn't capricious, it was like, it was a pattern. You know, if you can be in front of your screen or on your phone and be a nice member of the family, then that's fine. But once you start acting like a jerk, this is why we're doing it. And so you have some control over the outcome. Right. I think that's what it's about, right? It's giving your kid a sense of agency about it. Mm -hmm. um, if you just take it away, first of all, then it becomes a tug of war. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you can't win that. I think also there's a point of modeling. So like if you're on your phone all the time, and telling your kid they're on their phone all the time. <laughs> There's a problem. Texting to them that they're on their phone all the <laughs> right. time. So it might also be that you need to have a conversation as a family of like, here's our calendar. We're going to sit down. Here are the phone free times for all of us, right? Dinner, this is a phone free time. This hour after dinner where we're all going to help clean up, like phone free time. Um, maybe it's we're all going to watch a movie together. Not without being on a device at the same time, right? Like that's, because that's a big one. Like I can't tell you how many times I make my daughters who are 18 put down their phones while we're watching a movie. Same with my 16-year-old. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, Just would you please look at the cinematography? Yes. You're a film major. <laughs> it's like rude to me. I'm like, you're not enjoying the show. Um, like there's certain shows you can do that with. You know, if you want to watch your whatever, your Rachel Maddow and do the crossword puzzle or watch TikTok, power to you. But like if you're all as a family sitting down to watch something, watch, right? Like, And so I think you have to model the purposefulness of it to your kids because otherwise it feels arbitrary and random and you're not going to stick to it, right? Like you're going to take it away for an hour and you're going to give it back to your kid because they're going to pester you to death. And then you're going to be like, here, you know? And so I well, think and it becomes you, difficult, right? So difficult. It becomes like so many parents and a lot of these, um, these questions, so many parents say, it's my fault. It's all my fault. I, I was too lax. I allowed it. I didn't step up. You know, it was easy for me. And now I don't know how to gain control back. And I think that's the first thing you have to recognize is like this year was just crazy. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's no, there's no fault. There's no, I mean, what else, you know, what else did kids have during this past year, but screen time and phones and connectivity? And that's where to start the conversation, right? Like you can own up to it with your kid. You can say, uh, this is my fault. Like 
I mean, though, we all were in this situation. It just seemed better to let this happen. Who knew it was going to go on this long? But like as a family, we need to rein all this in. Um, because I think kids, that's their favorite line, right? But you do it. <laughs> but you're like kids love to say that to you. Um, you know, everybody charge your devices outside of the bedrooms. Everybody put their, you know, device in the kitchen at night. Don't just make it be your kid. And then it's easier for everybody. It might be really hard for you too. Like you might have to say to your kids, I am also like, I've become so dependent on screen time too. I totally see it. I haven't read a book in three months. I haven't, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, you kind of have to be a little human to your kids for them to get it. And I think they appreciate that when you're honest like that and you can admit your own fault. Um, without showing weakness, you know, that they're going to take advantage of, especially 12-year-old girl or 12-year-old boy. Like, 12-year-olds are very keen on, like, finding the soft spot and digging they in that shiv. They will go jugular, yeah, man. Totally. <laughs> you got to be careful with the 12-year-old. Um, but I think, I don't know. I feel like every time we have these conversations, it comes down to, like, talking to your kid first before it escalates like this. Right. So what – so – a lot of people are in this situation and the same holds true for screen time, right? I mean, you know, between Zoom school and everything else going on and TV and talking to their friends and TikTok videos, screen time has just become a huge thing. And I think that's gotten equally as out of control. So do you think talking about that too, pulling back on everything? I mean, I don't mean just phones, well, I think parents need to recognize that not all screens are the same. Right. You know, I mean, you can't blame your kid for being on Zoom all day. Correct. But what if they want to, you know, get up and start watching TV at six o'clock in the morning until school starts and then they're on Zoom and then they're back on TV and then they're playing video games? Well, I think it depends on how else the kid is doing. Like, it, you know, with with our kids, it was always if your grades are good, if you're sleeping well, if you're not being jerks to us, then your free time is your free time. And, you know, I, I remember my daughter started getting up early for a while when she was probably about that age, like 11, 12 she started getting up half an hour earlier so that she could watch TV before she went to school. Like, that's what she wanted to do with her time. Fine. But, you know, if it's causing problems, then no. Don't just make a blanket rule that's not based on anything. You know, it's really hard. The morning one is hard, too, because I know a lot of parents of littler kids. Um, you know, you a lot of parents, and I totally get it, use the TV in the morning as a babysitter so they can, like, get ready and get breakfast ready. And, you know, so so maybe your kid's watching Elmo or Paw Patrol or whatever it is. Um, and those hours start to add up, right? Like, I really feel for people with little kids because they're not even on Zoom school <laughs> the rest of the day. They're probably literally just watching hours and hours and hours of um you know, YouTube and whatever, which is really horrible. Um, and I don't mean horrible because like the content's so horrible. I just mean like it's so passive. Passive. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where as a parent, it sucks, but you have to find the energy to set something else up for your kid to do when they wake up in the morning. And it doesn't have to be every morning. Like maybe you say to them, cause you know, what about on Saturdays? Like you want to sleep in, right? Like there are a lot of people who say, don't wake us up, go, you know, here are the numbers on the clock, 
you can watch TV for or YouTube or whatever from this time to this time and like let us sleep, right? <laughs> like like just sleep. 100%. Go into um, bed. And like no one no one has, you know, their brains haven't turned to mush doing that. Um you know, but I think now that it could be every day and like say you're working from home and you know you're going to have a couple meetings and your kid's going to have to sit in front of the TV for a couple hours or in front of YouTube or whatever, then you have to think about it from your day. And then it's not a conversation. If you have a four-year-old, that's, you're not sitting down and having like a let's make a contract conversation. Um, you are kind of laying down ground rules a little bit. And I think you got to do it. Like you have to do it, but you have to provide your kid other things to do. You can't just turn off the TV and be like, no TV, but like, good luck to you, you know? (laughs) um, So whether it's coloring books and crayons or Play-Doh or, you know, um, anything, you know, dolls, a play kitchen, like whatever it is you have set up for your kids, maybe you talked to them the night before, a puzzle, you know, you need something set up for your kids to do in the morning if you want them to be doing something else, you know, maybe they're making friendship bracelets, like whatever, something age appropriate. Um, but that's, I think when you got to bust out like the arts and crafts or the books or something and just make it clear, just like they would at school. It's not like kids walk into their classroom at school and everyone's like screen time, right? Like if you, if you look at teachers and the best teachers and how they organize, particularly like a kindergarten classroom or first grade classroom, um, there's, there's stations, Right. Like you have. And so in a home, maybe you can only do like two choices for your kid. It's coloring or it's I don't know, it's coloring or it's Legos. Right. Like here are your two choices in the morning. Um, Kids kind of respond to that, like especially if they're used to being in kindergarten or first grade, like they respond to stations or circle time or whatever breaks in their day. And it sucks as a parent. But I think if you do that upfront work, it makes the rest of the work easier. It'll take like a day to plan and maybe talk to your kids about it. But then once you have, you know, we've sort of made fun of people with those schedules at the beginning of this. <laughs> but um, now we're seeing the repercussions of not having them, <laughs> which is just like park yourself in front of the TV for eight hours. There, there is so. a happy medium. You don't have to have a color coded chart. Right, right. That's actually a really good segue, though, into like if you've just given someone an iPhone or a new phone. How do you set that up? What do you talk about, right? So so here we are now, you've got this blank slate, right? You're able to talk about some of these boundaries and limitations that a lot of people are having a hard time regaining control of. So where do you start with like time management, um, the addictiveness of phones, you know, what's allowed, what's not allowed? And, you know, I, I know, gosh, forever we've been talking about routers where you can control the Wi-Fi on a router level. So it's not you saying no. It's like, sorry, the router turned you off. That's it. Your time's up. You know, those are the kinds of things that I think when you give a kid a phone now, you really have to go over with them. And also remember that they can just go on to data if they have an actual phone. I think a lot of the times we were dealing with younger kids who were only on Wi-Fi, but once the kid isn't necessarily on Wi-Fi, then your router limits aren't going to do any good. True. Right. Um, I think what has greatly improved in the time since I certainly got my children their first phone um, is parental controls. Like this stuff is built in to the phone, to the iPad, um, you know, to the tablet, whatever. And so I'm only familiar with the iPhone ones because we've only ever had iPhones. So I will say, and this is the question I get the most from parents when they get their kids a new phone, um, is like, how do, how do I set these boundaries? How do I start this? And I'm always like, just start with the parental controls. And they're like, oh, they have that? 
So, <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah, Android does too. It's just built in. Yeah. Yeah, they're built in. And and on iOS, um, it's called Screen Time. And there's also Apple Family Sharing. So first of all, you should always set up Apple Family Sharing because that's going to allow you to also see where your child is um, or your husband or whomever else you want to, or if you have a parent who you would like to know where they are, you know, anyone on your, um, you can add anyone to your family sharing. So it'll allow you to do, you know, find my whatevers or also find my iPhone. If your child is prone to losing things, um, it will help you find their phone if they lose their phone, which guess what? They will lose their phone. So set that up. Um, and, you know, one of the key things also, which I don't think people realize, is maybe teaching your children from the beginning privacy <laughs> um, and data sharing. Um, so if you go into settings and you go into privacy and location services and tap camera, and choose never for allowing location access, then your child's location, if they post photos anywhere, will not be broadcast to the world. Um, if they don't turn that off, it will be, which is probably something you may not, you know, they don't even think about. Um, and this is your child, so you don't want them to do that. But I would say set up family sharing. You're gonna create an Apple ID and password for your kid. They will not be able to download an app without your permission. They will not be able to buy things in app without your permission. You can set um, app limits and downtime. So you can say daily limits for different app categories. So if you don't want your kids playing so many games, uh, social networking, all that stuff, you can set limits on the time that those apps can be accessed. And this is one of my daughters actually does this for herself. <laughs> because she has had an Instagram problem. <laughs> so Sounds like she, something I need to do. She literally just said it for herself because she was like, I need it to tell, like if I've hit two hours in a day, then I, do, I don't want to be on anymore. Um, so she has weird willpower. <laughs> so, But um, also the important thing is, and this is so important, you have to make clear with your kid that you will always know their password. Mm -hmm. And if they buck up against that at the age of 10, 11, 12, then they are not ready for a phone. Like, I think that is somewhere you put your foot down. Yeah. My rule with my kids was I can take your phone out of your hand at any moment and look at it. And if you don't want to give it to me at that moment, we have a problem. Yes. Right. Because it means, are you not comfortable with that, what you're sending um, being broadcast in Times Square? Okay, and if you're on Android, it's uh, it's just as easy. If you go to settings and just search for parental control, it will bring up the Family Link app, which is on your phone, and you can do all the same stuff. You can set limits. You can like you know set ratings for things so that they can't see content that's you know above a certain rating, um, and it just leads you through it. It's super easy to set up. So I think you know the bottom line is like anything in parenting. What, what makes your life easy in the short run is going to make your life harder in the long run. <laughs> so <laughs> if you've taken those shortcuts, if you've let your kids just have unlimited screen time because you didn't want to deal with them, if you let them wake up in the morning and start watching TV right away, you know, all those things that like you needed to do to get by, totally understandable, but you got to take a step back and you have to think, how am I setting my kid up for a successful sort of relationship with technology um, and with their time and with their brains. Um, so take a step back with your older kids, with your kids 10 and up, even eight and up, 
sit and have a conversation and agree to things as a family and then do it yourself. Your littler kids, you got to you got to set these, you got to give them choices. You got to set these boundaries. You have to have very clear delineation, I think. Um, and unfortunately, you got to do the work of of coming up with non-technological things yourself to occupy their time. But I think we're in this for another six months at least. Like, it's got to get, you got to do it. Um, and there are good habits that are going to last your kid beyond this pandemic, right? Hopefully, these will be things that stick. And um, otherwise, we're just going to have kids who haven't seen people in real life and don't know how to talk to anyone in real life. Um, <laughs> That's going to be all they, of they, us. We're going to have to undo a lot of damage. Oh, my God. It's so weird. Um, but I really like, and it's so important, I like what you said about modeling the good behavior, right? You can't ask this of your kids and then don't do the same thing. hundred percent. Or hide in a closet while you do it. <laughs> Wait till they go to bed. <laughs> Plug your phone in in your room. And eat um, Oreos. Yeah, really, exactly. Eat the rest of that chocolate cake. Um, so that is <laughs> that's our advice. We hope it's okay, and um, and we wish everyone good luck. I this is not easy. Um, it's just it's a modern parenting conundrum that just seems to get worse, and the pandemic did not help. Um, so we will be right back with our bites of the week. We are back with our bites of the week. Amy, what do you have? I have an actual bite. So I eat a lot of popcorn. And um, I keep changing my mind on what my favorite way is to make it. Sometimes I do it in a pan with oil. Sometimes I air pop it, but then put butter on it. Um, so I haven't settled on my favorite way yet. But I almost always put something on it that is so amazing and especially right now when we're not going to movie theaters and not going to amusement parks, you can get that flavor. Um, it's called Flavacol. And I, I usually buy it in like a big um, kind of like a milk carton size thing. And it's this yellow powder that they use at like Disney World and a lot of theaters to not only give the popcorn that yellow color, but to give it um, like this really great salty flavor. And... It's funny, I'll, I'll link to where they talk about why it's a better salt. It like it sticks to the popcorn better because of its shape. And, you know, I can't like I'm on Weight Watchers. I can't just load on oil and butter. I put on enough to taste good. But if the popcorn's a little dry, it's just hard to get the salt to stick to it. But this stuff, you mix it in with the oil that you're cooking the popcorn in. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like it's like in there. It's like inside the kernel as it cooks. And um, I don't even have to put any extra salt on it when I'm done. It's just so tasty. So I will link. Does it add Weight Watchers points? Well, that's the thing. Like according to the, the carton for a teaspoon, it's zero calories. And like for a bowl of popcorn, if you put on a teaspoon, you would like die of salt poisoning. Like it's super salty. So <laughs> No, I don't count it for anything. You know, I'm never putting on more than like a rounded half teaspoonful at a time. Um, and I I eat a lot of this stuff and, and you know, still losing weight. So I'm I'm your tester. I've tested it and it is fine. Um, so I'll put a link to where you can buy it. It's not expensive. Like it's like maybe 10 bucks for a carton. And, you know, you're using it half teaspoonful at a time. So it lasts forever. But it, it oh, just makes your popcorn so good. 
What is it? Yum. It's like artificial flavoring and salt and color. That's it. <laughs> wow. Cool. Yeah. All right, Andrea, what do you have? Okay. Well, it feels so weird, right? Because every year Amy and I go to CES and like we do a show from there and we do interviews and we talk about it. And this year CES was all virtual and it was a week later than normal, which was lovely. Usually I'm on a plane on January 2nd. And um, it was just different. I mean, it was, I still talked to companies and I got to see things. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you still participated. I did nothing. <laughs> I, it was as if CES did not exist for me. I have to be there. I, yeah, I mean, it was, it was weird. I, I participated. There were a lot of the, you know, the events were like, basically you could go onto a virtual booth and you could see a video and you could see their press materials or have a Zoom with the PR person. But frankly, I'd rather just talk to them when there's not 25 other people trying to talk to them. (laughs) Um, So I kind of avoided those things. But there were some products that stuck out. I do work every year on um, the Techlicious Top Picks of CES Awards um, and participated and put some items in uh, our Best of CES Awards post so I can link to that. Um, but so there were some things I wanted to call out. First of all, oh, and here's my cat knocking all my pens on the floor. <laughs> I would like someone to create something to keep my cat quiet while I'm Aww. talking. Um, so Lenovo had some very cool computers and laptops like they always do. But I happen to be partial to desktops. Now, I gave up my desktop last year. But they came out with an all-in-one desktop, the Lenovo Yoga AIO7 for all-in-one. And it's super versatile. It's got a 27-inch display. It's a 4K display, and you use it in the traditional horizontal mode. Or you can press a button, and and it rotates into vertical mode. So if you're reading a long spreadsheet um, or a long document or looking at Twitter, you know, something that you want in that orientation. It's perfect for that. It's great if you use two screens. You can also connect your laptop to it through a USB-C cable, and then you can share all the peripherals. So your mouse, or your keyboard will work with both devices. Um, it, it's just a very, very cool computer if it's something that appeals to you, having a desktop. Um, and it doesn't take up a lot of space at all. So I like that. And then the other thing is, um, Panasonic, they do a lot of really cool beauty stuff and they have a new hair dryer. Um, as someone who, you know, has a, one of those Dyson hot dryers that I like, but I don't love. And I don't think, you know, people are spending a lot of money on that yeah. and I'm not sure if it's worth it. Panasonic came out with a hair dryer that um, has an oscillating nozzle. So basically, you know, when you hold the nozzle and you're trying to dry one spot and you wind up burning your hair and burning (laughs) your scalp? Yeah. So this oscillates inside the dryer. So you're not, even though you're, you're holding it on that one area, it's moving around inside and evenly distributing the air. So I thought that was really cool. And it uses something called Nano-E technology. This is not new. Um, But what it does is it takes the moisture out of the air and puts it back into your hair. So it blows it back into your hair to help you dry your hair without drying it out because it's pushing moist air into it. 
Um, and this is going to be $150, which is still way high for a hairdryer, but, but way a less lot than the less Dyson. expensive than the Dyson. Yeah. So I have not tried it, but I certainly look forward to trying it out. Cool. I'm always up for new hair stuff. <laughs> um, so my bite today is something that my daughter and I are both using um, so I went back to school this fall to get my master's and my both daughters started college and there's got to um, be a sitcom in there somewhere. I know. And I re- I think I'd have to be like 80 for it to be a sitcom. It'd have to be like so funny that I went back to school. And I guess you'd but, all have to be living at home. Right. We'd all have to be living at home and like taking the same classes so I could embarrass them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I since since I was in school, which was a long time ago, um, things have changed. <laughs> and everything is on PDF and digital. Like, it's absurd. And I have a tremendous amount of reading every week. And I am old, and I cannot do that. <laughs> like, it is really hard for me to read on my computer. And I definitely can't read on my phone. Um, and so I was printing everything out and I'm like, well, this is also ridiculous, right? Cause I'm printing everything out and then I have to like have a folder, which I'll never look at again. Um, so I bought an iPad for the first time in my life. Hmm. I bought an iPad. And so the same thing was happening with my daughter. She has a ton of digital textbooks. Um, both my daughters are really book book people. They also don't like to read on the screen, but my daughter's like all these, these textbooks aren't even available except digital. Um, and she's a big note taker like I am. So we both got new iPads with the pencil, Mm. with the iPad pencil. And then I was like, now what do I do? Um, So we've been using this app called Notability, which is what all of my daughter's friends recommended and use, particularly her friends in like engineering and um, music, because they have to do a lot of annotations. So it is the best app it is incredible. So you just import your PDFs into it. You can import your digital textbooks into it, which she's been doing. Um, and you use the pencil and you can make marginalia notes. You can do highlighter. You can change up the colors so that you can highlight different things. If you have that kind of system, you can file folder, organize everything into different sections. You can share and collaborate on the documents. Um, you know, it's even the PDFs, like you can mark them up. No problem. You can, if you are in a lecture, record the lecture while you're taking notes. So Ooh. when you look back at your notes, you can press play and it will play the lecture at that point that you took the note. So if you took notes and you're like, I have no idea what I meant, <laughs> you can actually push the little thing and it will play the lecture for you where you took your notes which is kind of incredible because um, I can't tell you how many times I was in school where I was like, I don't know what I meant. Why did I write that? Um, so You can do that on OneNote too, but it doesn't sound like it's quite as elegant as what you're talking about. Yeah, this is super robust. Um, and then you can you know save it to Google Drive. You can save it to all the different places. But also if you're someone who does a lot of design, um, it is like incredible for those kind of sketches and all that stuff. And then you can handwrite notes, but you can also do text. You can have a transfer to text. It's I know for her um, friends in music, it's been incredible. Like they can do a ton of notations. They can import the music. They can, you know, can again, you can record so you can see where you're like messing up or not not moving correctly with the notes. Like it's it's really cool. Um, so anyway, it's 10 bucks. It's nine ninety nine. 
And if you have family sharing, then everyone in your family can use it for $9.99. You don't have to pay again. Um, it's one license for the family. And it's been cool. And like using the pencil has been cool. I never had any sort of stylus or thing with my phone um, and past tablets that I've owned. And it's made reading on a PDF completely different. Like I can, first of all, I can make the font bigger. So yay. <laughs> um, but the brightness and all that. And there's actually a, um, it's like a screen protector you can put over it. And I think it's called paperweight. And it's really, really thin, but it creates the texture of paper on your iPad. Oh, cool. Yeah. For so like if, writing. Yep. So if you're writing, like if I'm, when I'm doing this, I, if I have that on, um, and actually you can keep it on all the time. It does, it actually just cuts the glare also, and it makes it feel exactly like paper while you're writing. So instead of tapping on glass, it feels like your pencil's moving on paper. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. It's really cool. It's life-changing and, and it's given me a second monitor, um, no matter where I am. So if I can't get, if my husband's using the home office, quote unquote, um, where the big monitor is set up and I, we can't be there at the same time. I can have my iPad set up as a second monitor with my reading on it while I'm doing zoom class. Um, and that's also really helpful because I can continue to take notes on it while I'm in class. If like additional things come up, it's really cool. I'm super into it. I was like, I said to my husband today, this is the best thing I ever bought. Like, <laughs> what took me so long? So um, highly recommend if you have a kid, a college kid, a high school kid who could benefit, who's doing a lot of online reading. Um, if you can swing a new iPad, they're not terribly expensive. They're, they're less than, you know, we didn't get like the super duper one. Um, but it's a really good investment. It really made all this digital reading so much different. And if you don't want your kid to be on the phone all the time reading, um, if they're, Ugh. if they have an option to not do that, then I also would suggest getting, um, an iPad with, for them because it, it also changes. It just changes the digital reading experience. I can't, I, I just was, thought I was going to lose my mind reading off my computer screen. So that is my bite. That is our show for today. Um, you can find links to everything we talked about at parentingbites.com. On facebook.com slash parentingbites, you will find links to the show as well as a place to leave comments, suggestions. You can share. Um, you can let us know how it's going for you trying to manage your child's screen time, your own screen time <laughs> you know, during this pandemic time. Um, you can please rate, review, subscribe wherever you are listening to us now. And uh, that's it. Until next week. Happy parenting. Bye. Happy parenting. Hey, this is our Parenting Bites disclaimer. Everything we talk about on the show is our own opinion. Any products we recommend, it's our own personal recommendation for entertainment purposes only. If you buy something through our affiliate links or you just happen to buy or see or read or watch something that we've recommended, it's at your own risk.